<laughs> Welcome to Money Making Conversation. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. I recognize that we all have different definitions of success. For some, it's a sizable paycheck. Mine is helping people wake up and inspiring them to accomplish their goals and live their very best life. These are my passions, and that's what I'm doing, going to do for you. I want you to stop tripping over small challenges and prepare to rise above the bigger obstacles that life presents to you. The Money Making Conversation interviews provide relatable information to the listener by career and financial planning, entrepreneurship, motivation, leadership, overcoming the odds, and more importantly, living a balanced life. My next guest is a motivational speaker extraordinaire, a former NFL player and founder of the nonprofit Rehab Time. He's a large social media following that inspires all ages with videos about relationships, personal success, life, and faith. Straight up, this is his first book for young adults. This helpful book guides young adults to establish healthy relationships, chase after their dream, and live their very best lives. His book, Straight Up, can be ordered and pre-released. It comes out officially August 4th, but you can get it ordered. You can pre-order it right now. Let's pre-order it, everybody, because we want to make this book number one on New York Times bestseller. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, Mr. Motivator himself, Trent Shelton. <laughs> How you doing, brother? Appreciate you having me, sharing your platform with me. Uh, truly an honor. Well, I, 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 well, first of all, you know the fact that uh, you're a Southern boy like me. I'm from Houston, Texas, so I was born and raised in the big state of Texas, and have traveled all over this country. And, uh, and out air, you said you're Louisiana, Arkansas, went to school at Baylor type fellow. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely uh, South, stayed in the South, from the South, still, still live here. So. I'm a Southern board for sure. Absolutely. Let's just talk about, uh, uh, but you, your book, let's talk about your personality. Let's talk about your athleticism. You know, you, you played wide receiver at the Baylor University. This is a question I wanted to ask up front. Would you say that the early part of your life was driven by your ability to showcase your physical talents? Would you say that? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, ever since I was born, I had two older brothers. And so I was always trying to keep up with them. So mm -hmm. my, my, even my identity and my, my worth, everything was performance based. You know, I always wanted to be the best athlete I could be, whether it's base, baseball, basketball, football, track. So now that's being said now, but along the way, other people see things in you besides that physical talent that they see, a, obviously you're a great speaker. They, they, they know you have a, a, a the people, you have, you have a magnetic personality and people see that. Now, I'm sure people told you that along the way, but of course you were following that physical gift. Can you, can you talk about the people who were, were trying to tell you about the skill set that you were not following at the time that they felt had value in your life? Or am I too deep with that question? Nah, you're, you're exactly right. <laughs> and, it's, and it's a great question because you're right. I mean, my whole entire life, um, there were seeds planted. Uh, as my mom would say, you know, Collins placed on my life, you know, uh, throughout my whole entire life to be, you know, what I do now. But by even today, I'm an introverted person. So me uh, hearing that it was like I was deaf to it because I was so focused on what I wanted to do. So if you weren't bringing anything to my life about sports, then like I wasn't trying to listen to it. And oftentimes what we do is we're so focused on what we want to do. Right. We become blind to what we were created to do. So, yeah, it, it was tough. 
I know because, you know, I look at my life. I always, I always try to share my life honestly with my listeners and sometimes my viewers that, you know, when you look back, you know, you have to look back. I would tell people the, the resume that you have right now, that job resume may not be your dream, may not be your passion. It's just something you do to get a paycheck. And I felt that's what was happening in the NFL. That was something you was doing to get a paycheck. And then one day sitting in that office of the Washington Redskins, you realize, you know something, this is a check that's not going to pay off long term for me. But you knew that anyway. Anyway, because of an athlete, there's a short window anyway. But knowing that, you still pursued that that was your your number one gift at the time. But then in that room with the when they were announced they were going to let you go, a realization hit you. Tell us about that. Yeah, it was just you know, I mean, I, I went through that process probably like nine or ten times. So when it got to that place, I had already started working on. After, well, what I do now, which is rehab time. And that vision was already placed in my life maybe a few months before that. How, so how was that vision placed in your life? How was that vision placed in your man, life? Man, it, it was my rock bottom, to be honest with you. It was me sitting, you know, I just got cut from the Seahawks, and it was me in my in my room at my parents' house, and I was just looking around at my rock bottom. I was like, man, like, what am I going to do with my life? And at that moment, I just said it's rehab time. And so for me, rehab time meant for myself, right? It meant putting strength into a weakness, mind, body, and soul. And so I took responsibility to say, okay, let me educate myself because I wasn't reading books. Okay, let me further my health. Let me further my, further my spirituality. And when I went on this journey, it just I just felt a connection. I was like, man, this something feels right about this. Right. And as I started continuing that journey, you know, other people started to see my change, start asking questions. But that was 2009, early right. 2009. So mm-hmm. I got cut with the Redskins probably that fall. And so when they said that, I was hurt, but it was something in me. It was like, hey. Like there's something more for your life, but still, even in that in that let me ask you, that let, me ask you let me stop it right there, Trent. You said you were hurt. Yeah. Were you hurt, or or were you more concerned what other people thought of you? Not you being cut. Both. <laughs> that's that's def- definitely both because that was my significance. So in my mind, it was like because my whole entire life was like, oh, this is my friend Trent that plays for Baylor or, or even high yes. school. So my whole value was in yes. that sport, and so. I was hurting that way because I'm like, okay, what are people going to think? And I knew I would lose some people in my life. Now I was hurt also. It was like, this is my whole identity. Like, since I was five years old, like, what else am I going to do? I never worked a nine to five. I, I, I had no knowledge of any of that. So, like, what am I going to do? So I was kind of fearful of, like, my life is over. Because if this is the pinnacle of my life, there's nothing more to my life. You know? So it was hard. Well, you know, the thing about now, your son was born in what year? When, when was your son born? 2008. 2008. So your son's born 2008, which has already let you know that there's a responsibility now in your life. You know, when you're, when you're out there solo and, and making decisions by yourself or, or, but when you bring a, a child into the world, I always tell people, a child didn't ask to come into this world. You brought that child into the world. So a certain level of responsibility. So now it's 2009. You still got cut by the Seahawks. They got about to be cut by the Washington Redskins. You know the speech. You've heard it. You know well, you know the end game. But now right. it has to be a different journey now. There has to be a different story to, to be told about your life. When did you start remembering all those other great moments of you can do this? Your, your, your future is not being a football player, or an athlete. You can be great. When did, when, did, when did that information start running back into your life? It started with me stepping on stage and speaking. Yes. Even though I wasn't ready to speak, even though it was my biggest fear, it started with me uh, stepping on stages, getting invited to the YMCA's, Boys and Girls Clubs, our mm-hmm. church events. Mm-hmm. And in those moments, 
it made just the impact that I saw when I looked out in the audience and how they were just gravitating to what I was saying. It was like, man, like, okay, everything that people were telling me in my past, it, it could be true. Right. And so that possibility built confidence in my life even in my biggest fear, because, you know, public speaking was something that I was truly afraid of. Well, we always were. I, I, I've been blessed that, uh, you know, my, I, I was this stand up comic. I was stand up comedian. And so so naturally, there's a wall for me to speak that is uh, I mean, people just watch. I should work for IBM. So when I would speak, they would look, this guy is so comfortable. Well, this stand up comedy. So at, the, at night, right. you didn't know that. So I, I that, that public speaking wall was was shattered with me. And so, but getting out there being honest, though, see, there's a difference in, in speaking publicly, Trent, and then being honest, because because because, you know, you can get a prepared speech. I see that all the time. People do a call a press conference and and they're supposed to be speaking for their heart, but they're reading everything off a piece of paper. And so and I was that always that always didn't make sense to me. OK, why, why, if you're speaking for your heart, just speak. And now now you started speaking publicly when did the honesty part of the conversation because that's going to drive us into this book because this book is very honest it talks about a lot right. of failures it talks about why these failures have to be acknowledged in order for you to move forward when did you start you started speaking at these wise but what point did you say you know some i gotta tell them relatable stories i gotta tell them why it's important that you hear what i got to say yeah, for sure. It was early on, uh, to be real with you. Cause, and the reason being is because one of my very first major ones, uh, speaking engagements, I prepared a whole speech. You right. know, I was like, read it, wrote it all out. And then when I got up there, I got, I know, whether it was stage fright, I forgot. And it was just like, okay, <laughs> let me just go for my heart. And I realized, like, for one, I always say when you're real, you're relatable, right? It's a connection piece with the audience because they feel like they can relate to you. But it also, it gave me freedom, right? I feel like, like even today, like when I try to prepare a speech, I'm like, why am I wasting my time? Because I never go off of the, the notes that I have for my speech. Right. And so it gives me a sense of freedom. And uh, so, yeah, I'm just, I've always kind of been like that since the start of like just telling, you know, real raw, honest, honest stories from the heart about my life. Well, I'm talking to Mr. Motivator himself. That's what I call him. I call him. You know, he, he got a lot of great <laughs> nicknames out there, but I'm going to call him Mr. Motivator. Uh, Trent Shelton, he has a new book that you can buy right now called Straight Up. Uh, it comes out and is released officially August 4th. This book is, uh, you know, is, is uh, for young adults. And I want to talk about that. Why is it important that when you say young adults, are you talking about millennials? Are you talking about high schoolers? Who are we talking about when you say young adults, Trent? Yeah, I, I think anywhere from the age of, it could be 8 to 24, you know what I mean? I think this book is, and, and I will say this too, I, I've had adults already read it, and, you know, it's a little bit language for kids, but I have adults read it and take it, and like, they learn from it too. But I think anywhere from the ages of where you can read, all the way to, you know, early 20s for sure. Well, you know, let's 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 dive into the book. The book uh, we're talking about is Straight Up, and I went, I'm going to start in the back. Because it was, a, it, I, I, you know, I read a book, I, I kind of like, where well, I want to start. Everybody always starts at the beginning, you know, they, they might pop start in the middle. But it was it was something that really affected me. I think that really the jump out for me was like in chapter 12. That's just straight up about making an impact. OK, now, mm -hmm. what was the significance before we even get into my, what exactly I want from chapter 12? What was the significance of the I guess you can say title for each chapter? Yeah, so I just kind of dug down on my life. I asked my son some questions, uh, kids that I coach. Yes, sir. And just, uh, you know, took that feedback and was like, okay, this is what they need to hear. You know, so I basically took a, the book, 52 Lessons, um, that I would want either 
to tell my former self because I get that question like, what would you tell the younger you? It would be these 52 things. And so that uh, was the inspiration behind it. Cool. Now, in that chapter 12, you know, it says it says responsibility means realizing you affect other people. See, mm-hmm. that was important to me when I'm reading your book. It goes back to the birth of your son, 2008. It goes back to 2009 when you were sitting in that in the in the office of the team watching the Redskins, and they was letting you know that there was no space for you on the team. That if a spot opens up, you know you could you will let you know. You said, "Don't worry." <laughs> you said, don't, don't, don't. "I've heard this speech before. Don't 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 placate me like yeah. that." Okay, don't placate me like that. If it was a space open, I was, I wouldn't be sitting in your office. Okay. I want to be sitting there. Okay. So but responsibility means realizing you affect other people. I wanted to start our interview with that statement because that's what a lot of people I want I won't use the word selfish, but we get so focused on ourselves that we're not responsible to the other people that believe in us. And that can be children, that can be your wife, that can be your employees, that could be people invest in you, that could be your your business partners. And that statement I thought was really powerful. And I just wanted you to comment on that and, and also provide my feedback because a lot of people don't realize that responsibility means realizing you affect other people. To me, was one of the most powerful lines in your book. Man, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, uh, one of my sayings for rehab time is it all starts with you. Because I had to look within myself and say, okay, you know, how is my life going to affect, you know, others around? And I often say, you know, I tell my kids this and myself, always tell yourself that you are influenced. So I always say I am influenced every single day. And my question that I ask myself at the end of the day is how did I influence the environment around me? You know, whether it be going to a meeting, whether it be going with my team, whether it be going to my, my family or the kids that I coach, how did I inspire them through my life? I can inspire them in a negative way, mm-hmm. a neutral way, or a positive way. And so I'm always trying to make sure that when someone gets around me, um, whether that's through, you know, telling stories about my past, being honest, or giving them uh, insights on different things, when someone gets around me, I want them to be better because they came and encounter with me. And so I think when you understand that you have influence, even if you're walking to the supermarket, <laughs> you know, you could be having a bad day and an attitude, you might, somebody might feel that energy and look at you and be like, oh, like, dang, you know, Maybe my day is now even worse. So you can be the person that says, you know what, smile at the person. You don't never know that they just might need that. So I just always realized that with my life that I have the opportunity to make an environment better every single day. And so I try to live by that. And it's really important. And, uh, you know, I, I I'm just talking about the book. I'm talking to Trent Shelton. Uh, the book is called Straight Up. Uh, right now you can pre-order it. Uh, it, it comes out officially August 4th. Uh, my goal is to have this book number one. That's what I want for you. Trent, number one. Yes, sir. New York I, Times I, bestseller. I, <laughs> I had three of them with Steve Harvey. We went three straight number ones. I mean, real number one, not just bestseller. I, see, bestseller and number one, two different conversations. I want you because this book has so much value in it that uh, it, it, it struck me. And that's what I'm saying is that, you know, eight to 80. As they say black crippler crazy, as they say when I was growing up. Everybody can get value out of this book, especially if you're trying to look in your life and try to jumpstart it. Because a lot of people need to jumpstart their lives because they're doing they I always talk about because you talk about relationships and you're hitting so many areas I think that are important. Let's talk about the, why did you want to speak about relationships? Because relationships are everything. You know, as human beings, you know, our connections with, you know, whether it's a intimate relationship, whether it's, you know, a business relationship, whether it's a friendship, the relationships are important. You know, you talk to people and usually if something is going wrong in their life, it's yes, usually sir. tied to a relationship. So 
I think it's just important that we build strong relationships. We cultivate, you know, strong relationships in our lives. So it helps us be better. So, yeah, I think relationships are everything. Cool. Uh, and, uh, and, oh, I don't know if, if some of the book, did you, did you want some things to be humorous in the book? Because some of them I just have to laugh out loud at you. You know, like for instance, absolutely. I'll, I'll tell you something, man. I, I, the front of the front of the book when you was in that uh, mud race, man. I'm telling you something. Oh yeah, brother. I was laughing so loud at you. And, and <laughs> what took you so long? <laughs> yeah, man. I, yeah, I was like, were, man. I, I really thought I was going to die that day. Like, I was like, I made my peace with God, man. And the dude was mad at me. I was like. You work here. Like you supposed to Ben came and got me. <laughs> no, no, you supposed to, you 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 supposed to let us know where you stand in life. That's why that's why I took from that line. That's why because so many people are out there living a life, and 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 they're they're not as saying they need help. They're not saying they need change because when you're about to make change, you have to admit a failure. So you have to admit Absolutely. a failure to have change in your life. See, uh, so many people want to admit, don't want to admit that. And that's why that's why this book is so important because this is a great moment. And I I remember when I was when I first went on tour as a stand-up comedian. I can't swim, okay, Trent. And I went out there and it, and then I it was it was a major decision I had to make on the shore because my friend said, "Hey man, you know, if you want to use the jet ski, just going out there, just right there that you and then and then and I had to make a major decision in my mind. Okay, do I act like I know how to swim and get on this jet ski? Or do I put on a life jacket? I I made the decision, that's why you still hear me talking today, to put on this life jacket. Because I went out there and I fell off that jet ski. And that jet ski went into a circle. And if I would not have had that jacket on. I would have drowned. I would have officially drowned that day. And that's what you're saying right there is that we have to admit what we can't do to be able to accomplish what we can do. That's a resounding theme in this book, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. And with that being said, excuse me, I lost my watch right there. <clears throat> now let's talk about, let's walk through this whole uh, mud race. You know, you know, you'd already embarrassed yourself in the previous mud race. So you was determined, you was athlete, you was probably still cut up, start, probably still had that, had that stomach looking right. So walk through the steps of that. You know, when you realize you died in that cold water, you died in that cold water. And that body, and that body said, you know something? I'm going to start talking now. I'm going to take over this race and let you know how I feel about what you've been doing to me. You're in, you're in the water now. You're just like Rashawn, but Rashawn had a life jacket, okay? <laughs> when, that, when that jet ski was circling me, I could just see it circling me, but I had a life jacket. And I was thanking God that you told me to put on this life jacket. You didn't let me do nothing stupid. But unlike that, you had dived in this cold water. You don't have a life jacket. Walk us through the steps, Trent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So I, I, so I, 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 dro I, dro I drop into the water. And like I'm exhausted, right? So I don't know why they have these at the end anyway. But I dive into the water. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, Trey, hold on, Trey, hold on, Trey. See, see, your version of exhaustion, exhausted, and my version are two different things. So you are a <laughs> you are a superior athlete. You got to say that because at the time you were leading, right? Yep, I was. Yep, you were leading. So you're a superior athlete now. You're leading the race. You on top of the wall. All you have to do is zip line, drop into this water. And you swim, and you declare the victor. 
And and you know, this is the mud race. And everybody know about these mud races. See, is that really not too many black people? Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Not too many black people participate in these mud races. Okay. So here you are, you know, your black man leading the mud race. In Texas, not walking through the steps now, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, and you're and very. It's funny. So I have to say at the end too, they make it even more true. So I, I jump into the, I drop into the water, and I can swim. So I'm like, okay, cool. You know, not that bad of a swim, but I catch a full body cramp. Like the water's freezing, and so immediately, like I, I know that I'm in trouble. But I'm like, okay, I'm not about to sit here and call out for help. I'm gonna push through. So I'm trying to swim, and I just can't. And so. The funny thing about it, there's a guy that drops in behind me and I'm like, I'm asking him for help, like help. And he kind of looks at me like he stops and he keeps swimming. So I'm like, hey, that's messed up. You know, I guess he's like, I ain't about to let this dude ruin my time. You know? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm panicking. So now, now my helps are getting louder. And then, you know, all the embarrassment is going out the window because I feel like I'm about to die. So I'm going, I'm, I'm really fighting like doggy paddling in the water, fighting to stay above. Make a long story short, I end up like pretty much nobody. So there's people that work there, right? So I'm like, okay, somebody's going to jump in. Right. These people were waiting for somebody else to do it. So they were just <laughs> literally, they were trained to jump in and, and help. Nobody helped. This guy throws a buoy out there, which is probably, you know, 10 yards away from me. And I right. can't even move a yard. So I'm like, that doesn't help. So I just make my peace with God. I'm like, okay, this is it. This time I'm going to go out. I was like, it's the wrong way to go out. Like at a, at a mud race, drowning in a little <laughs> lake. And, um, as soon as I'm about to go down, I see a guy finally jump in. And so that, like, gave me the strength to, like, okay, just kick and push, fight all you can. Like, I exhausted everything, man, not to get too much TMI, but, like, my whole body was depleted. Right. And I push up, and then the guy finally comes out there. He saves me. He brings me to the side. He's 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 mad. I mean, like, he's you know, he had his boots on. He, was, he wasn't the one supposed to jump in. Right. <laughs> so he's mad. And he's like, if you can't swim, why'd you come out here? And I was like, man, I can't swim. I was like, what took you so long? Like, and I was, I was angry. Make a long story short, they, they, they take us to the tent. And in the tent, it's, it's two people in the tent. And both of us was black. Right. And I was like, I was like, God, I was like, this, this would be the, the, the perfect stereotype for this. Make a long, I, after, after they got us in the tent, I said, you know what? I said, I'm getting my medal. I was like, I, I did. So I went over there. I grabbed my medal. Even though I didn't finish. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm getting my medal. So. That just taught me a valuable lesson, man, to ask for help, you know, and not be embarrassed to do it because I probably could have saved myself a lot more if I would have really pe- called out for help earlier. Well, the, the, well, that's why this book is about lessons. And I think the biggest thing I, I, I my, one of the, well, it was so many great takeaways, Trent. I'm going to just tell you about the book. There's so many because they're relatable. And I think that that's what makes this a, that's what makes this a very effective book and an effective read because of the fact that you, you, this is a scenario about this is basically a story about when you need help, ask for it. That's what that whole exactly. journey of that story was in a, in a nutshell saying that I'm going to just show you how I push my body to a level where it was done, but my ego, my ego right. almost killed me, almost caused me to die. Because I refused to ask for help. Now, what did you basically, outside of just learning that, did you learn anything else other than saying, if you need help, uh, uh, call for it or, or anything else out of that whole scenario? Well, yeah. Another big thing is, you know, every a lot of people ain't, really, ain't willing to risk their life for you. Too, yes. Because there are people there that I knew. 
you yes. know, like that I knew that I saw watching. Me, like my man, you know, like, like my man that swam past you. You said, help, help. Exactly. Excuse me. The finish line. The finish, <laughs> finish line. Yeah, he, he, like, he, he, like he went in and went past. So the thing I took from that, I, I tell people to this day, like a real friend, somebody who, who really is for you is not going to, they're not going to be the person that talks to you about, you know, and watched you struggle or reports your struggle. They're going to be a person that says, you know what? Like we, we, we're going to laugh about it because I was in there helping you struggling together or we didn't make it. And it's just like, you realize that when struggle shows up, a lot of loyalty or a lot of, you know, uh, people claim that they're really for you will disappear. And it taught me a lot about that because literally it was probably a hundred people there that I knew because I, I led a fitness class out there and some people didn't see me, but I know for a fact about 20, 30, 30 people saw me in there and they weren't really, they wasn't willing to risk their life or even, you know, I don't even think it was a life risking situation, but they wasn't willing to get in there and help me out. And so it just taught me a lot about when it gets real, you're going to see who's really real, who's really there for you. Well, what's, what's with that statement, let's slide to chapter five, which I have down here called straight up about friends. Yeah. And I was talking to my staff the other day and I was just, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a loner, but I'm a, I'm a, a, a or overachiever and I'm a guy who pivots. So that when I say pivot means that when I see an opportunity trend, I will go and give 100% to achieve success in that opportunity. So when you pivot a lot of times, you, that means that the mindset, a lot of people go, Hey man, where you going now? A lot of people will say, man, you, you try to do everything. And a lot of people will kind of like, uh, uh, throw negative statements to you just because you're willing to put forth the effort to be successful. So you have to always watch when people throw those cliches out there. You're never satisfied. Oh, you're trying to, you're trying to be good at everything. You know, you know, so won't you just settle down? That's what a lot of older people say to you. Won't you just settle down and yeah. be good at one thing? And so to me, as I went along, I, I, I told them, I said, look, the, the people I graduated from high school, I don't really know them anymore. The people I went to college, it was a bunch of us started out together. I really don't know them anymore. The people I worked at my first job. And so as you go through life, you're, you're going you're gonna to pivot. You're going to have people who believe in you and you're going to have people that support you. But more importantly, surround yourself with the people who are uh, the, the street term is ride or die. But basically, yeah. that's what you got to have. And sometimes even those ride or die people, when you pivot, might not be ready for that change and you may need to say, you know, I'm sorry, this is where our relationship ends. And that's what that's what professional sports does. Professional sports, they know how to pivot. They go, look, you know, you 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 were good five years ago. You might was good last season, but I got somebody else. And life is about pivoting. And that's what I that was my great takeaway from that chapter. I I wanted to hear your your take on it as well. That was chapter five, straight up about friends. Yeah, absolutely. Um I always say when you, when you hit new levels, you're going to probably get new relationships because everybody won't be willing to grow with you. That's just facts. You know, there's some people that don't understand it. There's some people that don't want to put in the work. There's yes. some people that it makes uncomfortable. Yes. And so as you continue to move and progress with your life, you're going to lose people. And that's something I had to realize because for me, it was like, why don't you get this? And like you said, those cliches, like I've had people say, are you still doing that little rehab time thing? Or why are you, you know? And it's because a lot of people don't understand just greatness. They don't, they don't understand going for your dreams. A lot of people talk about it, but a lot of people don't have that mindset. And so what's helped me, um, you know, over these years is finding people that have that mindset, finding people who, who challenge me, finding people who are either at where I want to be or are trying their hardest to get where I want to be. And the more I've surrounded myself around people with those values, 
it's tended to stick relationships in my life, right? It, right. Because I got around people not for external reasons or not because, you know, oh, we're, we just connect like that, but because you have a mindset that I wouldn't mind catching because mindsets are very contagious. What you surround your life around, you're going to be that, you know, for if you stay around that for a long period of time. So I'm trying to find mindsets that grow mine right. and that get me outside my comfort zone as much as I can. Wow. Uh, I want to close out with this last chapter here. I'm talking to Trent Shelton. I want to just talk about uh, this whole thought about fear. And in chapter 10, it's about straight up about fear. And I always talk about fear when I talk to people because fear of change, fear of, you know, the, the pandemic has really taught us a lot about fear because of the fact that it's, it's forced us to live in a life that we wouldn't, we didn't prepare for. And it's forced us to make adjustments, right. financial adjustments, social adjustments. And this chapter, I think, is so relevant now I, and I, I, because of the fact of the pandemic. And it's about facing the dog, as you say. And the dog is about, you know, I always tell when you're growing up, they say, if you stare at a dog barking, if you stare at him, he'll cower down. That's what they tell you, you know, you know, but but, right. but that chapter I thought was so important to me because of what is happening right now. Facing reality, willing to make change, failure isn't fatal, how to hack fear. Talk about that and we'll wrap this up, Trent. Trent, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Well, I appreciate you, man. And, uh, you know, fear is this, you know, I think there's two types of fear, right? There's a fear that, that, that keeps you alive. There's a fear that tells you, hey, you shouldn't go do that because more than likely, you know, maybe it was me jumping, like you getting on the, um, on the right. jet ski, right? It's like your fear told you, hey, you might want to throw a light vest. So there's a smart fear, but there's also a fear that keeps us from being everything that we're created to be or keeps us from progressing. And what usually happens with fear is that we allow things we can't control to control us. Or, as I like to say, we create a result from a situation we haven't experienced yet. And so if, when I think about my fear of public speaking, it was I was telling myself I was going to fail. I was telling myself people are going to laugh at me before I ever started. And so if you're telling yourself that, you're never going to do it. And so the thing that I love to tell people is that, one, focus on what you can control, and two, change the experience, right? Say, okay, even if it doesn't go right, I'm going to grow from this. I'm going to learn from this. And you'll find the courage to walk through that door of fear every single time if what awaits for you is something that's positive. So I, I just think that's how we, we really challenge fear is by facing it. And this is the thing too. You'll never win your war by running from your battles. So people want to complain about the yes. reality, but you'll never change yes. it if you never face it. My man, I want to appreciate you. I'm talking to Trent Shelton, the author of the amazing book that's coming out August 4th, but you can pre-order it right now. It's called Straight Up, uh, the helpful book guides young adults to establish healthy relationships, chase after their dreams, and live their very best life. Thank you, Trent, for coming on the show, my friend. And we will be in touch. Get those banners to me, man. Thank you. I got you, man. Thank you so much. All I right. appreciate it. Much love. Uh, this is Rashawn McDonald. Uh, if you want to hear more Money Making Conversations, please interviews, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I'm your host. <laughs>